Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey everyone, before I start the show, it's Dave here with an exciting announcement. And that is I am doing the first ever possibly only ever live book cheat podcast and you can come along tickets are on sale now it is on sunday april 4th so just over a month at 4 15 p.m at the european beer cafe here in melbourne it'll be me two fantastic guests that you know from the show and a brand new play or book i would absolutely love to see you there and if you've got a free day, it is a big day of podcasting at the European Beer Cafe. But beforehand, my good buddy Matt Stewart is hosting a Primates podcast. That's at 2 o'clock. Then you've got Book Cheat at 4.15. I believe Josh Earl is doing his fantastic Don't You Know Who I Am that night. And then we are doing a live Do Go On podcast at 8.30pm. So clear the schedule. Hopefully see you there. But Book Cheat is on at 4.15pm and tickets are available now. And you can click the link in the description of this episode. And I will see you there. Hello and welcome to Book Cheat, the book club podcast where I've read the book so you don't have to. My name is Dave Warnicke and on each episode of this show we look at one of the classics. And joining me this week to look at such a classic is two of the creators of Why You Like This. It's Naomi Higgins and Hub Marburb. Hello. Hello. Hello, King. Go off, King. Thank you so much. How are we feeling tonight? (laughs) I'm feeling good. I am famously a, um, I'm a left brain, um, but it's exciting to be on here um, with Hum, who actually knows how to read a book. I, so. yeah, I'm feeling bookish, I guess. What One could say I read, one could say I know how, those things would be true, so very excited. All she does is brag. I mean, that, that's the first time a guest on the show uh, knows how to do both of those things, so I really appreciate you lending your wit here. Now, your new your new TV show, guys, Why You Like This, is out now on ABC iView in Australia and soon to be on Netflix around the world. Are you feeling that sweet, sweet buzz? Oh. I'm buzzing. Buzz left, buzz right. <laughs> buzz on Twitter. Buzz on um, Sky News. What a buzz. <laughs> so much buzz. Buzz, buzz in the group chats. Uh, found out today that oh. a high school friend sent it to another high school friend group chat that I'm not in with a bunch of different high school friends. And another high school friend was like, wow, I'm surprised Hum actually made a show about political correctness, given that she unfollowed me because I support Trump. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Hasn't watched the show. Hasn't watched the show. Uh, Don't don't know. (laughs) So buzz, really. Wait, wait. So is her impression that the show is a um, takedown of woke culture? Is that what's happening? I guess so. And I guess she thinks because Uh, I wrote a show saying maybe we we shouldn't hysterically cancel a woman who oh is that spoiling the show you know what i won't i won't spoil the show um but but, you know i guess she thinks i think she thinks we should still be friends even though she hates immigrants or something i don't know (laughs) (laughs) 
and you're like, babe, I, I'm from Bangladesh. I literally wasn't born here, but that's okay. Neither was she. That's the weird thing. She wasn't. Oh. It's just, it's just two women of color who um, hate each other, I guess. That's me and her. And that's what freedom is all about. It is. But the show's going great, to answer your question. show's going great. You've been doing a lot, I've seen you've been doing a lot of press. You've been in the newspapers. You've been online. I've got to say, you know you've mm-hmm. made it when right-wing shock jock Andrew Bolt is writing about you. Well, yeah, but, you know, it was a 50-word blog post. I would love for him. I don't think he watched the show. I would love for him to watch the show and, you know, give us at least 300 words. Oh, okay. So you're offended by the word count. <laughs> <laughs> but I worry. I think we've got a real low-risk um, little tanty out of Andrew Bolt, which is good, because, Naomi, the risk is he might watch the show and then like it, and then you and I would have to die. Yeah, I am scared of that. Because <laughs> there were some comments being like, Bolt, I don't think you've watched the show because it actually is just talking about how political correctness has gone too far. <laughs> and I think you'd like it. <laughs> we can't have that. We cannot have that happening. <laughs> now, now, for people that may not have seen the show, I love Net- Netflix tweeted about the show that it's about uh, three friends navigating the hyper-divisive social, socio-political hellscape of Melbourne. And I loved watching people on Twitter lose their minds over this description. Uh, uh, <laughs> I will kill was... everyone in Melbourne. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> we we was, like, it, but... it, was, it was a bit of a mishmash of words. Technically, we wrote... That the world is a socio-political hellscape, which I don't think anyone would disagree with. But seeing half the people be like, "Melbourne's good," and then half Melbourne's like, great, bad. <laughs> I was like, "Well, this is very the show, so it's fine. We won't, we won't address it at all. Just let them bicker." <laughs> I'm the one person on the team not from Melbourne, and um, seeing people from Melbourne in the comments really made me regret everything I'd ever done. <laughs> I shouldn't. I shouldn't have gotten involved with these people in them. Melbourne. <laughs> I must say, uh, love the show. So six episodes are out now on, on iView and then soon mm-hmm. Netflix around the world. You're going to take over this this planet. Hell yeah, brother. Nothing jokey about that. People check it, check it out. No, absolutely. <laughs> this is, this is, uh, the joke's over, basically. Uh, now, the f- uh, for first time, is the first, Naomi's been on the show many, many times now, but um, oh. first time on the show, I usually ask guests, if, the, if they've ever been a big reader in their life, like when they were growing up, if they are one now. Because growing up, I was one, but then about mid-high school, I dropped out. And this show is the only reason I've started reading again. So are you a big reader? Yes, I would say I was a big reader until um, I started like a full-time job. And now I actually find, I find fiction quite difficult because it's like my life's already upsetting. <laughs> and then when you sure. and I'm and I've got a great life and it's upsetting. You know what I mean? Imagine having a life slightly worse than mine. You'd be even more upset. Um, and now when I read, <laughs> one can only assume. <laughs> yeah. And then um, sometimes I just when I'm reading fiction, I'm just like, oh no, I got to read about the trials and tribulation of a whole other person. I find it quite emotionally overwhelming. I'm not ready to do the emotional labor of fiction a lot of the time lately. <laughs> sure, sure. Um, yeah. And I did it, but I. So that's I why you read sci-fi. <laughs> I, I read sci-fi, yeah. <laughs> I, uh, I really enjoyed um, Anne Leckie's Ancillary series, which is actually about a sentient uh, spaceship. So Naomi, you might like that. That's STEM. That's engineering. She's a ship, <laughs> and she's a she. I think, or she's a they. I forget. A woman in STEM, just <laughs> like me. Um, and I just, I tried reading a book recently, Dave. Actually, that had rave reviews, and it really sucked. Um, it's called Where the Crawdads Sing. You heard about this? Oh, yes, I do know that. Yeah, that's, and that's a big seller worldwide. Huge. It 
fucking sucked. It's about this kid that's like abandoned at six years old in a swamp or marsh. And she's like a full Mary Sue. It's insane. She's like abandoned at six. And all she eats is like mussels and grits. And for some reason, she grows up really tall and hot with like great hair. Great hair doesn't happen with poor nutrition. That's very strange. Um, (laughs) And she grows up tall and hot. And then like the plot of the book is that both the nerd of the town who's like a, a hot nerd who goes to college in America and becomes a marine biologist. Cool job, hot guy, he's the nerd. He's interested in her for some reason, even though she lives in a dirty swamp. And then the jock from the town, who's like a jock and his dad owns the car shop and he wears a letterman jacket. He's also, for some reason, really into this Mary Sue of the swamp. It's insane. And the whole book, the whole book is about somebody who should have been a malnourished child Somehow, it's like a fanfic, but in a swamp. It's so strange. It sold so many copies. It's crazy to me. So anyway, many copies. It's huge. I want to say this swamp chicks out. Oh, <laughs> that's, who's, that's who's been buying the book, Naomi. Oh, <laughs> um, uh, yeah, fuck yeah, I found another swamp chick book. <laughs> anyway, so I gave up and I've just started Chrome Yellow, actually, which I've got here, you can see, which was Huxley's first uh, long-form fiction, I think. First full-length work of fiction. I'm enjoying it. Bro. I have been thinking about giving Brave New World a fourth try. I reckon I'm going to finish the book <laughs> this time. Bro, I don't, if you're not caught, Brave New World has one of the strongest openings, I think, that I've ever read. If you're not already... I know, that's why I and I read that part and I love it. And then about halfway through the book, I get busy. But then I'm like, you know what? I remember this book being amazing. I'll start it again. And then again, I read that beautiful opening. I'm like, wow, I'm in the world. And then you, and never, then get, you never get through it. No, when it starts talking about the actual people, when the world building ends, uh, yeah. I really should I really should read the ship book. <laughs> you should read the ship book. It's all about the ship. Um, yeah. When the people start having feelings. Oh, God, <laughs> yeah. Now, Brave New World's the best. I reckon, you know that line about uh, something about the lab being cold for all the summer beyond the pains or whatever, and then all the, the light lying like butter on the microscopes? Mwah! This is the most embarrassing podcast I've ever done. I don't think I've ever had a positive... <laughs> had a positive feeling on a podcast in my life i'm glad we captured it here i uh, i've read brave new world for this show and i wasn't the biggest fan of it i've got to say does really? that really does that ruin our friendship here did you have a problem with all the like children having being forced to have sex with each other yeah to be honest that that bit was yeah. was uh hard to get through i forgot that bit because i know because dave i know famously you're an anti-pedophile thank wow. you yes yeah i've heard that about That's you. i'm happy stand. to say it out loud <laughs> You got me on tape. You got me. <laughs> How would, would you like it if everyone started calling you the famously anti-pedophile Dave Warnicky? Yeah, and I'd also like if people applauded if I walked in when I walked into rooms. <laughs> that would be nice. <laughs> you can't have it all. Now, um, I'm I'm a bit worried. You're saying that you don't like doing the emotional labour of. Uh, of fiction, I'm afraid I've got quite a, a laborious uh, book here to get through today. <laughs> Bit of emotional labour going on uh, that we'll need to put in for uh, the classic that I'm about to reveal to you because you don't know what I'm, I'm telling you about. This week I am talking about Orinoco by Afra Ben. I've <gasps> never heard any of those words. No. What is this? To give you my little spiel here, my background that I do a little tiny bit of research into. So excited. Uh, Orinoco... It's a novel by English writer Afra Ben, first published in 1688. So it's very, very old. Whoa. Wow. With a name like Orinoco? uh, Orinoco, but I was thinking about um, 
the Enya song the entire time that I was reading this Orinoco flow that was in my head the whole time. What Enya song? Do you know that song, Orinoco Flow? No. Well, it's hard to do an impression of, of Enya because it's just <laughs> wishy-washy sounds. Uh, uh. <laughs> um, I looked that up. That's named after Orinoco the River, so it, there is no relation here. I was like, oh, great, I get a reference. I didn't get the reference. Okay, uh, wait. I don't, I don't understand. Can I ask for a breakdown word by word? At the first, the author's name is Afra Ben. Afra Ben. And was Afra a common name in 16th century England? Uh, no, I don't believe so. When you, because I actually quite like the name Afra, um, so I looked into it a little bit. There's not, she is the only really famous Afra. Oh, that's I, I have a cousin named Afra, but that's Arabic. Really? So I don't know about this English lady. Yeah, um, that's interesting. Okay, and Ben, well, I have Google Image there, and she looks white as shit. I have to tell You've you, you've got a oh, Google yeah, Image very... of somebody from the 16th century. <laughs> very English. Yeah, I mean it's a painting. <laughs> It's not Google Street View. <laughs> wait, let me Google. Am I allowed to Google? I thought I had to wait for um, Dave to explain. I mean, you know, they, I just looked up pictures because, again, I can't read. We've established that. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> oh, was she rich? Of course. Uh, yeah, Surely in the 16th century, the only women being allowed to write were very rich, right? All right, so this well, is, she's, she's rich. Well, she actually she came from a pretty, pretty humble background herself. Oh, What's okay. interesting about Orinoco is actually referred to as one of the first ever novels written in English. So it's, it's what? Yeah, isn't that crazy? It's one of the oh, first. Oh, so it's like so it's like how women would cook all the meals before it it, be, it turned into like Master Chef, and then it was like it's a man's world. <laughs> so this is back when it was just makeup time. Well, yes, yeah, because before this, everyone Playtime. was writing like plays and poetry and in yeah, prose, yeah. and then she was like, "I'm going to write this," and it's yeah. It's, so it's pretty significant in the world of literature. Ben herself is significant because she was the first woman to make her living as a writer in the English language. That's correct. Okay, so hold up. This was modern okay, English. Yes, in the 16th century, that was modern English? Yes, right? Uh, yeah, 1688. That's modern. Is that modern? Yeah, so it's, yeah. it's about 100, 100 years after Shakespeare, yep. And Shakespeare wow. was modern. Because it's not middle until we get all the way back to Chaucer or something, right? <laughs> right, Dave? Dave? Tell Correct. Me. Right? So how old school is this? What's she talking? She doing thighs? She doing thines? It's not vows? quite it's it's it's, uh, it's not quite thouest. How many vows? <laughs> There's no thous, but there is I mean, I'll read you a little bit from it and you'll be like, oh okay, yeah. This is not quite modern literature as we know it. Mm. Better not be any clockwork orange shit. No, or she's I'll not making it. up not making up languages, don't worry about that. That's good. <laughs> Uh, this sounds cool as hell. This I'm very excited about this. A whole, a whole book I've never heard of. Well, uh, she died <laughs> the year after it was published in 1689 and was buried in Westminster Abbey. So that's when you know you're a pretty significant person. What do you mean? Did they kill her for writing a book? <laughs> no, she just people just died back then, you know. Oh, no. How did she die? Wait, that's okay. I'm on a Wikipedia page. I'll look it up. How did I'll she die? I don't know if they, I don't think I'll I came across that. Uh, Virginia um, Woolf. Wrote about Ben in a room of one's own. She wrote, quote, All women together ought to let flowers fall upon the tomb of Afra Ben, which is most scandalously, but rather appropriately, in Westminster Abbey, for it was she who earned them the right to speak their minds. So there's oh, no. High praise. Oh, no. <laughs> in her last four years, Ben's health began to fail, beset by poverty and debt. No. Oh, but she continued to write ferociously, though it became increasingly hard for her to hold a pen. 
Oh my god, that is so sad. Now this is why that book about the swamp lady is unrealistic. <laughs> so when you say she made it as a writer, you mean she um she had so much debt that she died. That's and, what you mean, Dave. And that's But for a while there. Still for a while true. there she was she got paid. She got paid for a bit. Oh, fuck. Forced by debt and her husband's death. Mm, you can't have a husband be dying in the 16th century. That's bad. Oh, the ink, the inscription, the inscription on her tombstone reads: "Here lies a proof that wit can never be defense enough against mortality." <laughs> oh. oh, guys, I think Afro Ben might be cancelled. Says on the Wikipedia she was a Tory. Well, let um, me tell you. Have some respect. She's dead. <laughs> Uh, let me tell you, the book itself is also a little bit racist and uh, I'm kind of nervous about being cancelled here, but I guess Uh-oh. I'm just an early 30s guy navigating the hyper-divisive socio-political <laughs> health that is 17th century literature. Thank you. Thank you so much. Very clever. Watch out, they're going to get... The 17th centuryists are going to come for you. Oh, no! Oh, the 17th no. century actually has really great laneways and coffee, so maybe you should think before you speak. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> all right. Well, let me tell you all about Afroben's Orinoco. Uh, what is Orinoco? I think it's... Or- Wait. It's Orinoco. Yeah, it's difficult. What's what's the what's the origin of Orinoco? What's Ar- the... What is it? I. You know what? Dave will probably get to that. Dave, tell me already. <laughs> uh, it's, it's, it's- hey, Dave, sorry. I just have a question before we get started. What's the book about? What's the book? Well, let me tell you. Uh, the answer to both questions is uh, Orinoco. That's the name of a man from Western Africa. Okay. All right. Uh, all right. Okay. Do we have, uh, do we have a language? All right. Well, the book, uh, I'll tell you the name of the, the uh, kingdom that he comes from because he is a royal person. But I wanna, don't want to give away too much, too okay, much here. Okay. All right. Uh, the, mm. the book mm-hmm. starts with an epistolary letter. So that's just a, like a, a letter that she's put at the start here to make it sound like this whole thing is legit. Are all Which is letters written... epistolary? Isn't it an epistle a letter? Yes, I suppose it is so, but used in this form, you would say this is, this is an, an, an epistolary novel, or it's an epistolary forward to a novel. Oh, nice. I learned something. So, so it's, it's a... <laughs> I haven't. <laughs> it's, like, it's like a story told through uh, other people's writing. So like when you have like a newspaper article or like heaps of diary entries that sort of tell a story. Uh, this is like 13 Reasons Why, but the 16th century. No, 17th. Whatever it was. Loving it so far. <laughs> well, the, the, the letter dedicates the book to Lord Maitland, <laughs> a government minister who was a contemporary of Ben's. She writes to him that the book is about a gallant royal slave whom she met in her travels around the world and who met a shameful end. So we already know from the get-go it's going to end badly. A slave in the 16th century. It ended... 17th century, it ended bad for them, did it? <laughs> well, sadly. Can you believe it? I can't. I can't. I thought bad things only happened now. Right. No, the world's always been a horrible, horrible place. Mm. Uh, she adds that the story may seem romantic, but that it's all true, and she wrote it down in a few hours. Bit of a brag there. Obviously, before she stopped being able to hold a pen, and uh, she'll <laughs> leave the rest up for the reader to judge. Is it true, though? No, it's actually not true. So the story's written mostly from the perspective of a what they call a participatory narrator. So she's part of the story. But that's basically her trying to make it sound authentic. But people have researched it and she probably never went to the places that she writes about going to in this. Wait, she the person is in Afro Ben had never been? 
Afrobin, yeah. But wait, who's the letter from in the first... The, the letter, is that from Afrobin? Yeah, from Afrobin being like, hey, this is just a story that I, I, I experienced and also wrote down a bit myself. I'll leave the rest oh. up to everyone else to judge. Trying to be like, this story is true, guys. Oh, I get it. Mm. But it was fake that the story was true. This lady invented fiction, yes. basically. Yeah, how, I mean, wow. it's kind of amazing that one of the first ever novels did that, isn't it? Yeah. Here is the opening line of the novel to give you an idea of the language here. Uh, so, Afrobin writes, I do not pretend in giving you the history of this royal slave to entertain my reader with adventures of a feigned hero whose life and fortune's fancy may manage at the poet's pleasure, nor in relating the truth designed to adorn it with any accidents but such as arrived in earnest to him, and it shall come simply into the world recommended by its own proper merits and natural intrigues, there being enough of reality to support it and to render it diverting without the addition of invention. And we are off I don't doubt. Wait, wait. <laughs> she sounds... I don't doubt. <laughs> <laughs> this sounds kind of Pride and prejudice but wasn't that in the 1800s? Uh, yeah, that was a, a, probably 150 years later than this. So they were just like talking the same for 200 years. Do you think we do that? 200 years ago, would we sound like this? Well, I guess 200 well, years no. ago was... 200 years ago was Pride and Prejudice. Yeah, Pride and Prejudice, <laughs> yeah. Hmm. <laughs> 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 Time do accelerate, you know? <laughs> I could not it agree more. Doing that. <laughs> Time be accelerating. <laughs> uh, but that, that, so that's like her fancy way of saying, um, well, I wouldn't have to make up this story because uh, it, it's so fantastical that it was true anyway. I didn't have to exaggerate any of this. So you can trust me. Mm. Can trust okay, me. but that in itself is a lie right now. We know. that. I'm afraid that that is a lie. Almost certainly. Wow. And unfortunately, she did die after the year it came out, so there was not many uh, <laughs> interviews or junkets that were conducted, but uh, <laughs> she probably... No buzz. She no buzz. She didn't get any buzz. Should have considered oh, getting Andrew Bolt so to write about it. She should have thought of that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he would have absolutely had a crack at this for sure. Uh, she writes, she experienced a lot of what we're about to read herself, and what she didn't live through, she heard from the mouth of the main, uh, main character, our hero himself. But before we hear from our hero, she gives us the background of one of the major settings of the novel, which is Suriname on the northeast coast of modern-day South America. This is a place where many African slaves were brought during this period in history, but the narrator writes that the white colonists lived peacefully with the native inhabitants of Suriname. She writes, quote, We live in perfect tranquility and good understanding, as it behoves us to do. They knowing all the places where to seek the best food of the country and the means of getting it. End quote. Basically, they're useful, so they get to live in relative peace. <laughs> wait, are these? Wait, so are these people who have been carted over from Africa, or are they are they talking about Native Americans? No, Native uh, Native South Americans. Yes. Oh, okay. Wait, so the slaves? So they they showed up. <laughs> She's English, right? She's English. That's right. But were the English in South America? Who showed up and took these people as slaves? The French? Uh, I, I, I think this is sort of a, 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 Dutch, Dutch? a Dutch outpost, yes. Oh, I knew something. Well done. You know so many things, of... babe. <laughs> babe, you're so really smart. Naomi actually fixed a dryer, Dave, the other day. She did it on stream. Mm-hmm. I did act- it on my Twitch stream. I fixed my dryer. Like a clothes She's dryer? She's actually really smart. Yeah, yeah. The capacitor... Um, 
the capacitor was shorted. So I replaced the capacitor and I replaced the belt. I'm so impressed. Um, and now it's good as new. Yeah, and now I've got the I've got the bug. I've got the electrical bug. Um, Are you just and, like, like uh, I you're bought. You're gonna kick the dishwasher and hopefully <laughs> break it. <laughs> I bought a soldering iron and a bunch of shit. I'm gonna build little robots. Bro, <laughs> you gotta read this book about the ship who's sentient. She's always having to fix herself. You're both stem brains. <laughs> <laughs> You're saying I should fix myself up because I've been working on that, actually. You, you've been doing the work. and I'm proud I have of been you. doing the work. I've been taking the medication. <laughs> the work is just antidepressants. <laughs> um, anyway, sorry. Okay, so the slaves are there and she's there. Oh, yeah, yeah, she's but there. She's wait, about- but are they slaves or do they just live there and cohabitate. Oh, so there's sort of uh, three groups of people, I guess you'd say. There's the uh, the white people that are uh, taking over the land. <laughs> then there's yeah. the, lo- eh, wrong. the local indigenous <laughs> people of Suriname, and they get to live okay. in peace because they know how to hunt the food and, and how to grow fruit and all that sort of stuff. But uh-huh. the same could not be said for the slaves that work the plantations there, people who are enslaved and then brought over from Africa enduring horrific conditions aboard slave ships. So that's the, the third group of people. Okay. So. And right. Cromantian, or Coromantian, which is a kingdom on the west coast of Africa, which is now modern-day Ghana, was utilised because the kingdom was always engaged in wars that resulted in great numbers of prisoners of war. The general of the Coromantian army make, makes a great profit selling these captives as slaves <gasps> who then are shipped over to Suriname. So that's the the state of this Ugh. part of the world. Not loving it. Not mm. loving so far. It. Not not a great vibe. <laughs> yeah, no. Well, the story then shifts to uh, Coromantian, which is the kingdom where on the throne is a king who is one hundred years old, very old man. He has thirteen sons, mm. but they all died on the battlefield. So his only heir is this is his seventeen year old grandson Orinoco, who you might remember from the title of this novel. <laughs> I remember it from the Enya song personally. Isn't um isn't one hundred really old, especially for the seventeenth century? Oh, so old, so so old. So is it actually That's crazy really old? old, or were people living? Because when do we start recording life expectancy? Like, what if five hundred years ago people were always living to one hundred and one, and we just don't know about it? Didn't like when you go back to like ages and ages ago, people were living to like thirty. I don't know if that's true. I thought that was like an average, but it was like if you made it past five, you were basically good until 70. (laughs) Oh. Yeah, a lot of other people were really bringing down that average. (laughs) But also, like, how would we even know? We don't even know where all the graves are of, like, every person in the world, you know? I do. (laughs) Have you got a map? Yeah. Yeah, but you can't see it. (laughs) It's my map. So um, so Orinoco is the son of a king. So he's the grandson. He's the, he's the heir to the throne. Grandson. At 17, he's intelligent and attractive, and he spent his life training for war and is one of the kingdom's bravest warriors. Oh, I stand. He's been away mm. at war for the last couple of years where a general sacrificed his life to save Orinoco by taking an arrow mm. to the eye. That's ah. got to hurt. Mm. <laughs> and uh, after this, Orinoco himself became general. He took over from that guy. He's said to speak English and Spanish, having learnt it from the slave traders whom he sells slaves, and he also has a French tutor. Wait, so Orinoco sl- traded slaves 
himself. Yeah, so he's one of those people oh, that no. when they capture the enemy as uh, and then they enslave them and then sell them on yeah. for a profit. Yeah, this is horrifying. Let's continue. Well, our narrator is a big fan of this protagonist and goes to great pains to describe Orinoco's unusual generosity, humanity, and sense of honour. She attributes these traits in part to his Western classical education from the French guy. Of course, that's the only possible explanation for this African man being a kind person. Mm. Ugh. <laughs> so Dave, that- why did you choose this book? Well, <laughs> I mean, I, I choose the book... Because I was like, oh, Afra Ben, I'd come across, uh, you know, her reading about her, and I was like, the first ever novel, I've got to read this one. Have and every single I, book I've, that we've done on this, uh, that I've done on this podcast, <laughs> has just had terrible things in it. So, yeah. How many times have you so done right. this podcast? All classic literature. Uh, I've, uh, I've, um, maybe three. And you hate books, and then Dave gets you on here and just tells you a bunch of upsetting stuff that happens in books. Yeah, sorry. And you keep doing it <laughs> for a buzz. <laughs> I got t- Sadly, most famous literature no, like isn't a fun about time. This stuff. It sucks. I li- no, I, yeah. I still like learning about it. I think the the least um, the least upsetting one was the one about um, the lottery, the short. Oh, the the, short the horror story. one. Yeah, Shirley Jackson. Yes, and that, that was the least upsetting one. What are you talking about? Well, it didn't have any, like, horrible racism in it. <laughs> it was the only um, one that didn't have horrible racism mm. in it or just, like, a woman getting um, domestic abused. And I think the other two books had both. <laughs> they, yeah, sorry about that. Um, well, what, yeah, what, books are cancelled. I'm sick of them. One was, a, one was a play that was, like, the first play written by um, an African-American woman, I believe. It's by Lorraine Hansbury, and I can't think of the title of it. Lorraine Hansbury, yeah, that's her. Um, it was ah, nope. <laughs> <laughs> what? Oh, sorry, it's the, a, a, raisin a raisin in the sun. A raisin in the sun. That's right. Yes, yes, Is that yes. The one I've heard of that. Yeah. A raisin in the sun, so, and we also did um, Zora Neale Hurston. Uh, their eyes oh. were watching God. Oh. Yes. Which I re- okay. I thought that was a great book, but um, yeah, it's not super fun. <laughs> There's yeah, see, fiction's too hard. There's a lot of. Yeah. You're right. That's why I get other people on it's here. It's still worth talking about. That's just, I'm tired. I'm sad. <laughs> like, what about a fun... Well, I'm sure this is only going to get better. <laughs> what about, why don't we do Mr. Doolittle? That's fun. Dr. Doolittle. You can't workshop changing the book nah. way through the podcast. Dave, I reckon... All right, we'll keep the Zoom going. Dave, <laughs> you go and read a whole other book. We'll just we'll Look, just keep recording, Dave, and then you can just jump back in. Dave, I'll be you. I've read Doctor Doolittle. Oh, so, okay. Tell me about so it. Just, Is it he, fun? It sounds fun. Yeah, he's a fun guy. He's a vet. He can talk to. Oh, I think back in the day he was called maybe a natural, a natural scientist, natural some guy, some kind of different word for it back then. He talked like to animals. It. Goes around. He goes to all these places. The, the very places you're talking about there being slavery in. Doctor Doolittle goes to some of those places, and we just never mention slavery. He meets and said he meets an akapi. He meets a meets a fun little two headed goat or something. There's a snail. The snail comes up to the beach, and then the snail wow. like takes his like shell away from his slimy snaily body and then Dr. Doolittle gets in the shell and the shell is transparent and made of glass so you can actually look outside the shell and then the snail goes and he seals the he seals his shell to his body again and then Dr. Doolittle's got a little bubble of air when they go underwater 
And then the snail, like, traverses the Pacific or the Atlantic <laughs> or whatever. And Dr. Okay. Doolittle can see all of it because the snail's shell is glass and he's got air in there. And he sees all these, like, sea creatures. That's fun. Wow, that's two books for the prize of one. That see? is fun. That's amazing. I think the podcast um, is done. We- <laughs> and that's fun. Um, we have to go back. Okay, so Prisoners of War. Oh, no. Orinoku, Orinoku, Orinoco. You said it wrong at the start of the podcast, Dave. This is not my fault. Orinoco is a was prince. trading slaves. He spoke English. And French. And French. And Spanish. And he was really hot. And he's super hot. And he was good at war, which is also hot. And yeah, he's a really uh, he's the best warrior they got. <laughs> no, it's it's not well, it's not hot now when you use like tanks and shit. But back in the day, you know when all you yeah, had that's was true. you, that's hot. That is hot. It's like when I was watching um, um, Bachelor in Paradise, and one of the guys was like, "Oh, you want a coconut?" And he literally j- climbed up a tree, mm. up a up a palm tree, and just picked a coconut and got back down. And I was like, "Damn, brother, that's cool." Can I tell you something that's, that's gonna hot. ruin your life? Yes. When we go back to Bangladesh and then we go back to the village that we own, um, <laughs> that's uh, that's a really that's what we own groves and groves of coconuts, um, and a really that, that's a fun thing we do. But we send one of the servant boys to shimmy up the tree and get coconuts for us, and he just does it. So I don't understand. So I don't understand why you're upset about this book. <laughs> hang, hang on a second. Naomi, Dave, if you've watched our entire show, you already know this. I didn't know if you knew it was based in truth. It's upsetting. Naomi hates this about me because she thought the whole time we were friends, she was like, I have to listen to this bitch. She's a woman of color. She suffered. And then one day I just dropped like the servants in Bangladesh and she absolutely, her whole world and mind collapsed. Yeah, it did. She didn't get it. Anyway, so you can probably give us a unique perspective on this book, huh? Okay, Dave, let's continue. Oh, fuck. <laughs> so you could never release this. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, I should have said staff. I should have said domestic staff. There's hey. no, there's no, there's hey, no Ben There's no, yeah, lit translation equivalent. It's all right. We wrote it in a TV show. I think we're, we've been upfront enough. All right. Now, Dave, please. I was anonymous in the TV show, though. You see, no one knows oh, I yeah, wrote it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> all right. So, Orinoco. But remember how he, a guy died for him by getting copying an arrow to the eye. Mm. He yes. goes back to the royal court and he goes to pay his respects to the daughter of the, the general who sacrificed himself to save Orinoco. And when Orinoco meets the daughter, would you believe it? She's an extremely beautiful woman named Emma Winder. And he is astounded by her. Quote, he was infinitely surprised at the beauty of this fair queen of night. End quote. Uh, she's equally impressed and the two fall instantly in love. This is a love story, guys. Beautiful what stuff. What does fair queen mean? Fair queen of night? Could mean fair anything. Qu- Let's just move on. Fair queen of night, okay. capital N on from uh, Afro-Ben there. So queen of night. Like it's a thing. I don't know what it is, but it's something. Uh, he woos her and tells her that despite them ha- being able to have multiple wives in their culture, he will only ever love her. Nice. Does love her mean he won't take other wives? Or does he mean he'll take other wives, but she's the only one that he loves? No, he's like, I'll only, I'll, I'm a one wife man. If you marry me, mm. um, oh, I'm yeah. going to stick with you forever. And she, uh, she, she says, yes, let's get married. So they have to get the king's permission to marry. And the king, of course, this is his grandfather, having heard so much about this young, beautiful woman who is now the talk of the town, the hundred-year-old man king goes to see what she looks like. 
discreetly, like from behind a tree or something. And he falls. <laughs> this little, this tiny <laughs> old man. <laughs> I mean, the king. Just hunched over, just hobbling forward behind a tree. Looking at her through binoculars or something. (laughs) (laughs) And would you believe it? Bit bit Shakespearean here. He falls instantly in love with her. His grandson's fiance. You're 100 years old, sir. No. Sir? Sir, sir, you're so old. That's a real Zach Braff (laughs) moment from him. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah, similar similar age gap. You mean to tell me uh, Zach Braff is younger than a hundred years old? <laughs> <laughs> well, des- despite knowing her engagement to his own grandson, he sends her a royal veil, which is an invitation to become one of his wives, the kingdom's greatest honor, and it would be death to refuse it. So she. Well, that's I. You die. Greatest honor. So it's not you really. It's die? not really an invitation, is it? Yeah. <laughs> would you rather die than suck off this hundred-year-old man? <laughs> no one says you have to suck him off. What do you mean? I'm sure he can't even get hard. They didn't even have Viagra back then, huh? Okay, but they have maybe like bush medicine we don't know about. It's so long ago. We don't know shit about what they knew. <laughs> Come on now, but I feel like when men get old, they're not horny anymore. Dave, how old are you? You still horny? Uh, I'm um, younger than 100. <laughs> uh, no comment. I've, I've sexually harassed every man I've been on a podcast with. <laughs> it's been really good. So she re- she reluctantly joins the king because refusing so would be uh, you know on pain of death. Meanwhile, Orinoco he arrives at Imawinda's house with the most romantic present he could think of, which is a hundred and fifty slaves, only to find her taken well, by his extremely to, her? Old... to give yeah to give to her to, her to be like here's a gift to you, my love. It's a very strange time. He only to find that she's been taken away by his extremely old grandfather, and he is of course very upset by the news. Mm. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, Imawinda in the kingdom is told that Orinoco no longer loves her and she's distraught by the news, and this is a lie, but she's very upset by it. <gasps> this is very Shakespearean. So, I know this, this is this, very sad because of how th- we know that they're both so hot. Do you oh, know what I mean? They honestly would be the hottest couple ever if they were together. If you guys. It'll be, be like a power couple, and now she has to marry an old, old man, and that's so sad. Because of how hot she is only. (laughs) (laughs) This would be a good Netflix movie, you know, like a To All the Boys I've Loved Before. But like, but set then. Maybe set now. No, that would be a crime now. Set now. That'd have to be set then. It's a crime now. (laughs) (laughs) Everyone watching this and they're like, no, 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 you don't understand. It's set in the 17th century. It's fine. (laughs) Set it in space. It's fun, you know. Maybe he doesn't have to be a hundred. He could just be like, what's old? Like thirty-four. Yeah. <laughs> so Orinoco, he's able to successfully hide his love for Imawinda from the king. So he's sort of got to tiptoe around it a bit. But one day, however, when Orinoco appears in the court, he sees Imawinda, and his expression almost betrays him. But he gets away with it. Oh, but then Wait, but doesn't next... the king already know that he loves her? Because didn't he already ask the king's permission? Yeah, but he's got to now play it really, really cool. Uh, so the king oh, doesn't... Like, I yeah. Dad, it's fine that you fucked my girlfriend. Yeah, yeah, it's whatever. fine. It's cool. That's chill. It's not even dad, it's granddad. Yeah, granddad. Oh, I'm anyway. totally cool. I'm totally cool. It's so cool that you fucked my girl. Hoping to still be king one day. <laughs> yeah, All right, love but... you. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> he 
he's honestly having to sort of play place cards in that way. But on his next visit to court, he watches the king's young wives dance. So many of them are dancing. Imawinda stares at Orinoco while she's dancing, loses concentration and falls into his arms. Though the two quickly separate, the king is furious, having thought that Imawinda took the misstep on purpose, and then he orders his grandson Orinoco to leave the court. Bro, just kill your grandpa. He really should just do that, shouldn't he? Don't you reckon? And I wish... (laughs) Oh, yeah, because he's our only heir, so it wouldn't wouldn't matter, matter, because he'd just become king. I Sorry. wish that he'd done that because, honestly, it would save the rest of this book. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you'd be Devo if you were her, wouldn't you? You'd be like, fuck. Yeah. Well, that night, the two young lovers are able to meet secretly in the palace and they quickly consummate their relationship. However, they are busted by Hello. guards and Orinoco has to quickly flee for his life. The mm. king... You what happened? He can't be living for that much longer. Just play it safe until he dies. I know he's only yeah. 100, he's a hundred years old. How long? How much longer could he possibly live? Keep it in your pants for another year. Also, or just fuck you'll somewhere that's not the palace. Like you're the prince. <laughs> just take a car or a horse or something. Like yeah, but he can't be alone with her. I'm sure she can't go anywhere. Disguise her as like a wait. slave boy or something. Put her on a horse. Take her somewhere. It's not hard. <laughs> I might be a bit hard. (laughs) (laughs) Well, the king is again furious and he decides to punish Imawinda, his young wife and uh, Orinoco's um, love, by selling her into slavery. What? Her? Yeah. Yeah, he sells her into slavery. Well, I can't imagine in the 17th century if, like, uh, uh, your wife fucked someone else that... You would. I. I imagine a lot of the world was like, okay, you're ruined, and you're, and I'd put you in the bin now. Your wife fucked your grandson. Yeah. <laughs> put them both in the bin. <laughs> Sorry. Well, the king later, later regrets uh, doing this, as being sold into slavery was seen as a fate much less honourable than just being put to death. So he worries that if his grandson finds out that he sold his wife into slavery, that their relationship will be permanently damaged. So he decides to smooth things over by lying to Orinoco and telling him that the love of his life was simply executed, which is much better, right? What? Uh. (laughs) (laughs) For so much of history, women have been nothing in so many places. I can't, Dave, I can't do the rest of this book, please. Can't we do the cat in the hat? I hate this. (laughs) We could do the cat in the hat. What is he? He's got a straight behind. No, just trudge forward. Just what? trudge forward. Hum. <laughs> Come on. All right. So, right. So, all right. So he takes. All right. So he takes his his grandson's um, girlfriend. You know, forces her into marriage, um, and then sells her into slavery, and then um, tells her tells his grandson that he killed her. Yes. Right. Which again, that's very Shakespearean. Telling think, someone thinking that their love is dead when in fact yes. they are not. Because maybe they'll mm. come back at a later date. Anyway, Orinoco, he goes into a deep depression uh, over this. He's very, very upset. Um, one day, um, an English ship arrives in the city. And the captain and Orinoco know each other well, as Orinoco frequently sells him slaves. So they're, they know each other quite well. So they catch up and they hang out. And one day, he invites Orinoco... The French tutor and another guy called Jamoan 
who made who sounds so much like Jim Owen that I was thinking of the Irish comedian the entire time, which is very that funny. That is going to be hard. <laughs> just, just having like all these West African characters and then just one white Irish guy walking around was very funny. Wait, his name's mind. Jim Owen? Jim Owen. Like the comedian Jim Owen, Jim Owen it's spelled like that? Well, that's spelled slightly differently. It's J-A-M-O-A-N, but like Jamon, Jamon. Yeah, it's so right. similar. Okay. So, you know, that was a little Loving bit of respite for my brain. Yeah, that was a, <laughs> a moment of lightness for my brain was imagining Jamon. Yeah. <laughs> um, so this English captain of the ship, he knows Orinoco, he invites him and a hundred other men onto the ship for a lovely dinner and some wine and everything is going beautifully. Mm-mm. Until Mm-mm. never get on a ship with a white man to get drunk. <laughs> oh my god, you are so mm-hmm. correct mm-hmm. because everything seems nice until the ship's captain quote gave the word and seized on all his guests, including Orinoco. They are quickly chained up and the ship sets sail. Mhm, mhm, mhm. You must never trust a naval white man. <laughs> a naval white <laughs> man. never ever. <laughs> Is this why you don't like boats, huh? Yeah. You're always like, I don't like being on a boat. <laughs> if I could get on a boat of colour, maybe. But. <laughs> well, this is just. What's, yet- the, what's that spaceship, a ship of colour? Do you know? <laughs> that was actually in a post racial future, so very exciting. Oh, okay. Actually, I was on a boat. Dave, I'm gonna tell I'm gonna tell a non-slavery boat story just to lighten this up. That'd be great. Thank you so much. I was recently on a boat for a birthday party. Yes, Naomi, I'm sorry, my friends are rich and your friends are poor. Um, <laughs> but uh, the people who owned the boat and were like running it, captaining it or whatever, um, they were so cool. One of them, they were a husband and wife team, and the wife was so cool. She was from this town in like South India and when she was young she had been the first girl to join like the yachting club and everybody was like whoa a girl can't yacht and she was like watch me bitch um and watch me strap this flying jib bitch (laughs) (laughs) and she did it and then the club had to like change their rules to let a girl yacht and now there's like a girls yachting club thing that happens every year and lots of girls are on yachts and she goes back in South India. Yeah, and like she goes oh, back nice. every now and again, and like you know, is still like a member of the club. And her and her husband sail this boat around like I don't know the ocean, I guess, um, all year. And um, <laughs> yeah, that's that's usually where you find boats. <laughs> <laughs> and they are um, yeah, so they just go wherever the fuck they want most of the time. And then like in Sydney in summer, they sometimes come and like hire the boat out for parties for idiots like us. That's so cool. Yeah, she's just like a gal on the sea. Pretty cool. That sounds like uh-huh. that should be the TV show. Much, much nicer to watch. <laughs> Wait, our TV show? No, sorry. Rather than uh, <laughs> you were saying we should make Orinoco into a TV show, and I was oh. like, oh, I think yes, this story. Seth, I can understand how that would have come show, across. Dave. Yeah. Hey, what? <laughs> hey, um, just one question. Why didn't you write that as your show instead of? Uh, what you know? <laughs> Is that what that I meant? That would have been way I better. <laughs> that just sounds like a more fun. Uh, <laughs> TV show than Orinoco. Yeah, the no, eight I part will series. agree with that. <laughs> so, all right, we've got to power through this. We've got to power through this. <laughs> um, guys, it's the first English novel. I mean, that's why I did it. I'm so sorry. Um, it's 
sucks. Novels shouldn't have been invented. Sorry, Fuck novels. Yeah, been come the first All my lady writer hate novels. First female <laughs> writer make a living and. Uh, what this did, book is teaching me is one. Didn't make much of a living, did you? No. <laughs> First of all, novel she died. <laughs> hey everyone, just Dave here letting you know that this week's episode of Book Cheat is brought to you by Acorn TV. Now picture this. I know a lot of places around the world right now it is cold and the weather is starting to turn in Melbourne. And on a cold night, I like to bundle up, get into bed, fire up the Acorn TV app, chuck on my headphones... And watch me some Poirot, some Midsummer Murders, or Partners in Crime. Absolute heaven. Nothing feels more transportive when I'm stuck indoors than watching brilliant TV from across the pond. And that's why I love Acorn TV. A streaming service rooted in British television, it has a rich catalogue of exclusive, award-winning series across genres, including mysteries, dramas, comedies, and so, so much more. As well as the great shows I've already mentioned, if you're a fan of British quirky comedy then the other one is a must watch it follows two sisters from very different worlds who had no idea the other existed until their father drops dead if you are a fan of Downton Abbey then the other one features a hilarious performance from beloved Siobhan Finneran you'll also get thousands of hours of new refreshing content on Acon TV for a fraction of the cost compared to most streaming services it's just $5.99 a month so escape to Britain and beyond without leaving your seat. Try Acorn TV free for 30 days by going to acorn.tv and use my promo code BOOKCHEAT. That's A-C-O-R-N TV, acorn.tv, with the code BOOKCHEAT to get your first 30 days for free. And BOOKCHEAT is also sponsored by ExpressVPN. Now when you use the bathroom, you always close the door behind you, right? Gosh, I hope you do. You don't want some random passerby looking in on you. So why would you let people look in on you when you go online? To bring this analogy to a close, using the internet without ExpressVPN is like going to the bathroom and not closing the door. Because internet service providers like Comcast, Verizon, whoever, know every single website that you visit. And if that's not pervy enough, what's worse is they can sell this information to ad companies and tech giants who will use your data to target you. You don't want that. But ExpressVPN puts a stop to this by creating a secure encrypted tunnel between your device and the internet so that your online activity can't be seen by anyone. I use ExpressVPN on all my devices and it works on everything. Phones, laptops, even routers, so everyone who shares your Wi-Fi can still be protected even if they don't have ExpressVPN. And it is literally as easy as closing the bathroom door. You fire up the app, click one button, bang, you are protected. Door is closed. So if you're like me and believe your online activity is your business, Secure yourself by visiting expressvpn.com slash bookcheat. Use my exclusive link, expressvpn.com slash bookcheat, and you can get an extra three months for free. One more time, that's expressvpn.com slash bookcheat. Close that door. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. 
For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. So, they've been tricked. They're on board a ship now. And Orinoco and the other men, they refuse to eat. They go on a hunger strike and the captain says, I'm sorry for what I've done. I, uh, I promise not to sell you when we get to land. And he unchains Orinoco and he's like, oh, great. <laughs> Um, and I just made exactly the same face. We were like, excuse me? Oh, you're sorry? Yeah. And he's like... I'm sorry I, ch- I'm sorry I chained you up on my boat to sell you into slavery. My bad. And he says, I'm not going to do that. I won't sell you into slavery. That, that's fine. Then the ship arrives at Suriname, the place that I was describing at the start of the, the book. And the narrator writes, quote, this is where I chanced to be. So this is where she puts herself into the story. Oh, okay. Now, they were promised freedom when they got there, but... Classic white woman. <laughs> I was <laughs> also there. White women do be being Centering herself. Classic white woman existing. <laughs> I'll call it out. Uh, thank you for doing the labour, Naomi. That's okay. Now, the ship arrives at Suriname. They're promised freedom, but would you believe it that the English captain goes back on his word and sells them anyway? Would you believe yeah. that? I can't believe it. In- I cannot believe it. Including... Orinoco, who was sold to a man named Treffrey. Treffrey? Treffrey? I know, it's a strange name. He's a Cornish man. It's a white English man. Jeffrey with a T-R? Yeah, Jeffrey with a T-R at the start of it. Treffrey. I hate this book. (laughs) (laughs) So him and old mate Treffrey, they actually become friends. Um, Treffrey who owns him, they become friends. Yes, because he's sort of enamoured by the fact that Orinoco can speak English really well and all that sort of stuff, and they get talking. Oh, God. I know. (laughs) That's bad. But Orinoco, he's treated more like an honoured guest than, like, uh, the rest of the enslaved people. Because they know know his background as a prince, so he receives his own house and his own land, and he doesn't have to work with the other people. The only war is class Does he have to work? Well, the, the... for me, the weirdest part is the other slaves treat him like a god and they fall down at his feet, despite the fact that many of them recognise him as the man who defeated their armies and sold them into slavery. So they're like, oh, Prince Orinoco, um, despite the f- and they you know, bow at his feet, despite the <laughs> fact that they wouldn't be there if it wasn't for him. Yeah, I'm not buying that one. <laughs> not buying that, Afra. That seems weird. Does, does Orinoco have to work? No, he doesn't have to work. But he can't leave. He's not allowed to leave. Yes, that's right. So he's sort of just hanging. So he's just like, he's just like, that's my friend. But, you know, he, <laughs> he is technically imprisoned yeah, here. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> but we're chill. <laughs> he just sort of hangs I out. I don't like Treffrey one bit. Well, Treffrey Every time t- we say Treffrey, I just... Come <laughs> <laughs> loses one year of life. <laughs> Sounds like one of those names, like... I don't know, there's like parody videos people do of like influencers and they're always called stuff like Triffany. <laughs> 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 Meliciana. <laughs> Treffrey. <laughs> uh, well, he tells Orinoco of a wondrous female slave who came to the plantation about six months earlier and everyone, including himself, is undone in love, quote, with her, but she's not interested in anyone else. 
And the next day, the two men walk past the door of this mesmerizing woman where she lives, and you <gasps> wouldn't bloody believe it. It's Emma Winder. Oh my god. What? Oh. Oh my god, twist. And Oranoko cannot believe his luck and he's overjoyed and the two quickly get back together and they conceive a child. <gasps> Everything's going better. Wait, so Treffrey nice. knows? Treffrey's cool with his female slave being married to his male slave who is also his friend and they have yeah. a kid? Yeah, because he knows the backstory. <laughs> yeah. It's a classic set. <laughs> <laughs> a tale as old as time itself. Okay. So, so does that mean Emma Winder doesn't have to work either? Uh, she Up until this point, she has been working, but yeah, less and less now. Oh, she's pregnant. Yeah. Well, that doesn't necessarily change. <sighs> Still wishing they weren't slaves, personally. Yep. Uh, at, at this point, the narrator tells us, um, which we presume is Afrobend, that she's been staying on the same plantation after her father died at sea nearby. And that's why she's in Suriname for a little while. And having heard of the lover's reconciliation from Treffrey, who could not believe the coincidence, the narrator decides she's got to come and meet these people. So that's how she first meets Orinoco, and that's how we know this mm. backstory. Right. Mm-hmm. And Orinoco, he's actually told continually that, that he'll soon be set free because he's a prince, and they're like, sorry about this, we didn't mean to enslave you, Like, there's been a horrible mistake. Uh, we're just waiting for the governor to arrive to make it official, so just keep, just hang out here a little bit longer. And they, quote, feed him from day to day on promises. But after numerous delays, he grows distrustful. He's like, well, why can't I just go? And they keep saying, no, no, just just now, just wait. Just wait a few more days. The governor will get here. Sw- uh, yeah. And his big worry. Can't trust a white man on land yeah. either. <laughs> <laughs> I'm starting to notice a pattern. <laughs> well, he fears that. They're delaying him until Imawinda gives birth, for then his child will also be a slave. And there's this weird rule that I couldn't get my head around, but that means that the entire family would be slave if she gave birth to a slave, or gave birth to a child whilst what? enslaved. Some so strange just rule. Sense. I he's hate like, this. Yeah, yeah. But everyone keeps coming to assure him that no, 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 the governor's coming. The governor's coming. The, the narrator herself who is asked to come and visit him and uh, spend some time with Orinoco to pass the time. And then they go on a few adventures. They develop this great friendship. And they explore the beautiful wildlife of Suriname. They go looking for tiger cubs. He kills a couple of tiger cubs with his bare hands. He catches what? an electric eel that no one else could have. <laughs> okay. He interacts with the local people of Suriname in a way that no European person could. And the people enslaving him treat him carefully this whole time. Uh. So, Hum, you'd be happy to know that I've sped over multiple chapters there. <laughs> just know, so you, re- just you know, read the whole thing? Yes. <laughs> just- <laughs> that is the concept of the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so, this is, so we're led to believe this is Afro Ben. He's like hanging out with Orinoco, just killing little baby tigers. Yeah, going on adventures. Vibing. But we Catching know in real eels. life, but in real life, Afro Ben was impoverished and crushed by debt and living in some like slum in London, trying to live day to day. Yes, and her hand. What's Emma Winder doing? Oh, child rearing. Yeah, child I think she. No, building. she goes on the she goes on the adventures too, and they all hang out. They having a great. Has oh. she given birth yet, or is this the nine yes. months while she's pregnant? Yeah, this is this is in the nine months while she's pregnant, so she hasn't given birth yet. You can do things while you're pregnant, huh? Yeah, you're. Okay? The, can do you anything. said child rearing. I was getting your timeline straight. 
You said child rearing. She wasn't child rearing yet. There was no child. You don't rear a fetus? I I think you can only rear them once they're born. I think mm. before that it's called child building. Child building. I don't think that's right at all. <laughs> child building. Buffering. Target killing. <laughs> loading. We're doing it all. The child is loading. <laughs> Naomi's a gamer. <laughs> mm. She's sick. Spawning. <laughs> Uh. Well, uh, Orinoco, he gets wary of the delays and thinks that they're never going to set him free. So he goes to the camp of enslaved people and stirs them up with a speech encouraging them to rebel against their captors. He says, let's break free. We'll steal a ship. We'll, We'll start our own society or sail back to West Africa. And he inspires a crew of about 150. And the next morning... Of the people that he sent there. Yeah, basically. A lot, a lot of the people that he sold okay. into slavery, yes. It's like, let's go back to where I um, captured you and sent you over here. <laughs> and he goes and leads them on this rebellion. The plantation owners rock up the next morning. They're like, hey, where are all the slaves? So they go look for them and they put together this little army and there's a battle that's... And the Europeans are led by Deputy Governor William Byam, who is a real... Bad, bad boy, really bad man. And um, damn, is he hot? He's oh no, he he is so or unhot. A bad boy in an ugly way. He's so unhot. Oh, he's hot. Oh, he's not hot. Not hot. No, he's not hot. I'm okay. imagining like I don't think this description was in there, but like I imagine the whole time like an overweight man, like red in the face, bald, uh, constantly <laughs> like killing small animals and then crushing them into a fine paste and snorting them. That kind of guy. You know what I'm talking about? Oh, yeah, no. probably each with his mouth open. Yuck. Yuck. Yes. Yucky. And there's this big battle and a bunch of each side are killed. And this is when they offer uh, the Europeans offer a full pardon to any of the enslaved people who surrender to them. Mm-mm. Tragic- Mm-mm. Tragically. No. What have we learned? Tragically. The men, women and children who pledge their allegiance begin to leave Orinoco one by one until it's only the prince, Imawinda, and a loyal man named Tuscan who remain. And then- Why would they trust... No. <laughs> so he's been he's been he's been abandoned by you know his own people that that promised to you know well, go along with him. Well, he sold them into slavery, so you know, fair enough. That's yeah. true. That's I had forgotten that. You're absolutely correct. You're absolutely <laughs> correct. His own people in a different yeah. sense. Okay. Emma Winder shoots and wounds Deputy Governor Byan with a bow. Yes, the super so evil guy. Queen. Queen, Queen behavior. Stand. We stand. But sadly, he survives. No. Which is a bummer. <laughs> There's no justice. Uh, Byam convinces uh, Oronoko to surrender, promising he'll be treated with respect and freed on the first ship that lands on the coast. And the no. prince replies, he no longer trusts the promises of white men or their gods. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Eventually, Oronoko agrees to surrender for Imawinda's safety. Because he's very outnumbered at this stage, but only on the condition that the terms of... Imelinda's still pregnant? Yeah, she's still pregnant too. Oh, fuck. He agrees to surrender only on the conditions that the the terms of his surrender be written into a contract, having observed that's how the white men make their deals. Nice. Wow, hun. Law. You like the law? Oh, don't drag me into this. The law is very... You love, you love words written on a page and um, a statutory declaration <laughs> or something. <laughs> Naomi hates that I'm a lawyer. Yes. 
so the contract is written, including a pardon for Orinoco and his loyal ally Tuscan, and they return to the plantation. But you're not going to believe what happens next. Oh, God. Dave, when does this end? <laughs> We're nearly there. It's sort of the last Fuck. bit. Uh, despite the contract, Orinoco and Tuscan are almost immediately captured and punished with whips as uh, for the revolt. Uh, the narrator interjects here and writes that when she heard of the uprising, she immediately left the plantation for the safety of Colonel Martin's plantation, which is three days away. And she and she's like trying to be like, and he's an ally of Orinoco, so I don't want you to judge me. I didn't do any of this. Is what she's trying to put in here. And uh, but she does come back. And she keeps hanging out with Orinoco again. And what, he back says after I, he's been whipped. Yeah, because he goes back into the plantation, and then Afra Ben, or the narrator, comes back and starts spending time with him. And he says, "Look, I forgive you. I forgive everyone except that deputy governor Byam, the man who double crossed me. I'm gonna kill him." Also, and uh, the rest of the the rest of this is like but, now like uh, a, a revenge story from Orinoco. He wants to uh, kill Governor Byam. Wait, but wasn't he waiting for the governor to sign the papers? So couldn't the deputy governor just sign those papers? Isn't he the governor's agent in Suriname or whatever? Yes, that's a good point. But he keeps saying, oh, no, we have to wait till the the proper governor gets here. So just wait. As soon as he comes here, I'll let you go. I'll let you go. Mm. But as we know. Mm. He was lying. You can't trust this guy. Mm. Don't like this. So Byam hears about Orinoco's plans for vengeance against him and he calls together his other council of local dirtbags and they decide that they should kill Orinoco. They're going to strike first. Whatever, loser. <laughs> got him. <laughs> I got these slave traders. <laughs> I hate this. <laughs> it's so, so close to the end, I swear. I swear oh to you. Oh, my God. It's the saddest story on earth. How do we have to know about these things? I don't want to know. Even though it's a- apparently a fake tale written by a white woman, but I'm sure the themes, all the horrible things that we're hearing about, I'm sure have happened many times over. Well, that means then we should listen to Belle Gibson if we've got to listen to fake tales by white women about stuff that actually could have happened to someone else. Belle Gibson? Yeah. Belle Gibson. That's who you want me to listen to? <laughs> Wait, the woman who lied about having brain cancer? Yeah. That woman? So I gotta, now I've got to listen to Belle Gibson because other people might have cancer? <laughs> you know what? It's a valid Yeah, point. you're right. You're right. Hang on, is the, when you say valid point, do you mean, yes, we should listen to Belle Gibson? <laughs> <laughs> she might have something to say, okay? <laughs> Has anyone checked in on her in a while? I know I haven't. That's what people say. People say that, um, you know, Belle Gibson is the Afro Ben of the, of the new millennium. I've, I've definitely heard Making it. stuff up. Uh. <laughs> okay, Dave, what happens? Who kills who? you got to tell us. All right. Well, if you if you must know, if you must know, I must. All right. We got. Well, I must now. We got Orinoco on one side. We've got Byam on the other. They both want to kill each other. And Orinoco he decides. All right. If I'm going to take this guy out, that will leave Imawinda alone, and then they'll probably take retribution against her. Yeah. So, they come to a, 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 a pact where he'll kill her first. So sorry to say this. Wait. What? What do you mean? Wait. Orinoco's going to kill his wife. Yes. His pregnant wife. Why doesn't he just kill Byam? Because they will, they will. Because then other government people will kill Orinoco and and his wife. Yes, probably in like a more in a wife. more barbaric way, is what he thinks. Why doesn't he just kill all of them? Well, I mean, that I, I wish I could tell you when all John Wick from this point and he kills like four hundred dudes. That would be so sick. <laughs> but I'm afraid. Oh, <laughs> me. 
I'm afraid it doesn't. <laughs> Wait, hold on. But he told Afra Ben. The only person he told that he was going to kill Byam to was Afra Ben. Did Afra Ben tell the white men? No, he's been telling a lot of people this. Well, that was fucking stupid. Yeah, that that was dumb. That was dumb. But this is... Uh, I'm upset. <laughs> Wait, he, so he's going to... I can't deal with this. <laughs> <laughs> I can't, I, my brain don't, my brain no work, logic no work. What are you trying to achieve, so, sir? So now that none of them suffer, he's going to do a domestic murder on his wife and child. To get revenge on some other dude. Some other dude, that's right. He basically says to her, they've got no chance of escape, they're both going to mm. die. And she falls at his feet uh, in, 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 quote, gratitude for arranging such an honourable way for her spirit to return home. It's, you know, it's also a religious thing with how the, the way that she dies. Well, you intended. called me on a Sunday to do this? <laughs> to tell me about this? I had to read this all weekend. This has been with me for 48 hours, goddammit. Dad, quit the podcast. You don't need to do this. Do a podcast about candy or something. Uh, candy? I do love candy. That's your first yeah. idea, candy? Yeah, just review different American Hershey's or gummy worms or something. That sounds really good. Do that. This sucks. <laughs> yeah. Really- All right, come on. So, so, so he kills his wife, which she loves. <laughs> She's like, great, thank you, I love this. Oh, you're gonna get you're gonna get real mad at this next bit. Alright, wait, so did she die? Did he kill her? Yeah, so he does kill her. In like a religious way. Yep. Do we know okay. how? Does he like slit her throat? What is available to them? Uh yeah, he, yeah, it's it's knife related. Say it. Say it. I think he does slit her throat, yeah. It's pretty it's nasty stuff. It's awful. It's awful. <laughs> oh my God. Fuck me. I was going to gloss over that bit for the record. Does he do it in like a place? Yeah, they're out in the forest. What happens to the blood? I'm sorry, I'm just going to have to pause because I think Mark's making warrior sounds in the other room and I just have to tell him to stop. It was Luigi, we heard. It was Luigi. Great. It'd be fun to see if you can can pick that up in the recording. I think think it will have gone there. Was he doing that for anyone else or just himself? Yeah, just, there's no one else. What is Luigi's sound? Uh, He was going, he was going, like that. Cool. Very loud. So what happened to the dead wife's blood? I don't know what happened to the blood. I'm so sorry. There's a lot of blood when you slit a throat. Wow. I'm learning so much. All right, come on. Final page. Let's power through. Okay, so tragically, Orinoco is racked with such grief that he goes into mourning for days on end and cannot what summon the strength to finish off. No, he's going to go kill... No, he's going to go kill the other guy. He's going to kill Byam. Because so Byam's going to go kill... Him and was gonna kill his wife too, so he's like, "I'll, I'll, I'll kill you, so you don't die slow and horribly and painfully, and it'll be a religious way, so it'll be better for you." And now he's gonna go kill the the 
the the ugly guy yeah before the ugly guy kills him and then somebody yeah, else is right. going to kill him like the government's going to kill him yeah, yeah but at least right. that at least that guy will be dead okay that's good but tragically he's racked with such guilt that he he goes into mourning and he can't leave the forest for days on end and he ca- and eventually he cannot summon the strength to finish off the plan because he's so weak from lack of food he's unable to get out of the forest He's eventually found by some of the white men who try and capture him, but still fearless. Um, he pulls out a knife and he, he sort of he cuts open his, his own stomach to sort of be like, come and get me. Um, and he stabs another man. But he knows he cannot exact his revenge and cares now not to live anymore. But he's captured and a surgeon fixes his wound. So he doesn't actually die from uh, stabbing himself. Uh. Uh, still gravely injured, he recovers for a few days and now narrator says she visited him and gave him some cordial. I hope it was raspberry flavoured. I can't tell you what flavour it really was. <laughs> what? <laughs> what the fuck? Wait, was that just you saying that? <laughs> no, that was, or was she, that in the book? <laughs> she said, I gave him some cordial and I, I added, I hope it was raspberry flavoured. <laughs> Wait, that was a that was Dave Warnicky saying, I hope it was <laughs> yeah, raspberry flavoured. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Guys, just trying to find a just trying to find a little light thing here, you know. Just trying my best. Yeah, you, you're on the final page, and you're like, "Thank, thank God, some cordial. I'll, I'll, I'll spin some magic out of this." <laughs> How lovely of this! How lovely of this white woman to, uh, you know, go to this man who has been in enslaved for so long. Um, you know, had to um, kill his own wife. Well, had to. Well, that's questionable. Um, and then give him some cordial. That's great. Good on her. <laughs> I know. Thank God. Thank God she's around. <laughs> Eventually, so they're like, oh, just give, you know, give yourself up or whatever, you know. And he's like, no, I, I'm not going to come quietly. I just basically want to die now. And then those uh, the bad white men do arrive and uh, they're sort of the last standoff. Uh, and he loses and they, they're going to kill him. And he says, you don't need to tie me up for this. I'm going to stand on my feet and die on my feet, basically. And uh, Orinoco asks for a pipe to smoke because he's started smoking tobacco since he's moved to Suriname. And he smokes the pipe whilst they hack him up with a knife, basically. (gasps) Why didn't they use their guns? They have guns. Yeah, well, they uh, they, uh, cut off bits of him while he just stands there. And he doesn't react at all. He just stands there and smokes a pipe, which is pretty pretty so, badass hold on so he's smoking with his like right hand and they're chopping off bits of his left hand and his legs and yeah stuff. they're like chop off his fingers and his ears and stuff like that and then they cut off his other arm and he does not react still smoking until they cut off the arm that's holding the pipe and that's when he dies i and you i hate this book the narrator finishes the tale this is the final bit by writing quote thus this great man worthy of a better fate and a more sublime wit than mine to write his praise yet i hope the reputation of my pen is considerable enough to make his glorious name to survive all the ages with that of the brave, the beautiful, and the constant Imoinda. The end. We made it. I want I'm so mad to kill you. myself. <laughs> <laughs> Look, um... I... Wait, so what... Why... Why... Why did she do this? I guess we're talking... We're talking huge slavery days, right? 17th century yeah yeah is she trying to you know like humanize enslaved people and 
show things from their perspective. Well, it's, I guess it's kind of strange because she's not exactly anti-slavery. She sort of throughout the book she does seem to sort of accept that it exists. She's more <laughs> anti this one just guy. Just like Oreos, just like Oreos tweeted the other day, trans people <laughs> exist. Incredibly brave statement. Wow. <laughs> well, but, I don't think. I don't think you could read this book as anti-slavery at all because clearly the one exception is this um, Western-educated hot black man who she thinks is, like, worthy of not being a slave. Yeah, she's more anti this one guy being enslaved. It's the 17th century. I'm sure literally the way that her, like, brain is wired by her upbringing, like, I think she would probably, you know, think that she's being revolutionary by being like, this guy deserved better. Do you know what I mean? Because of the time period. Okay, but so are you saying that's what she's trying to do? To be like, hey, are there like five black people we shouldn't enslave? Like, you think there's a political motive behind this book? Well, why else? It's just like, here's a, here's a horrible story. Yeah. Like, I'm just I'm trying to... <laughs> why people love this shit? Why did she do this? <laughs> <laughs> there's heaps of books like this. All the Sherlock Holmes books are like this. And then the other one that Conan Doyle wrote, maybe not about slavery, but they love to be like... Here's a reason to go to an exotic locale and write something insane about a bunch of people who I refer to with words that can no longer be said or printed now. It was like a whole, like, during the whole, like, there was, this was a preoccupation of a lot of literature at this time, no? To be like the junk. I don't know. I, again, I don't read. I okay, can't imagine read. that literature is like um, a bridge. That's what you did in engineering, right? A bridge okay. that you, you built. Yes. Well, no, I'm not. A, I didn't do okay. civil engineering. So, whoa. Uh, <laughs> they build things the public use, actually. Yeah. Yeah. And they also need um, the lowest ATAR score to get into the course. But uh, go on. You're burning theoretical bridges oh here. Oh, my God, Naomi. <laughs> you fucking snob. <laughs> um, I actually think all civil engineers are beautiful. Well, they are, they are usually hot. That is why I like them. Um, but please, continue. <laughs> anyway, the point is, there are a lot of books being written here. She probably wrote this hoping it would be sensational enough to clear her many debts, but instead she died. Yeah. Well, I mean, it was one... I, I suppose a lot of white people absolutely do, did do this later on, but maybe she was one of the first because she was one of the first <laughs> to write a novel in any, in any way. And you know, so incredibly can, brave of her. She can claim that. What this podcast has taught me is that nobody should write anything and white women should not have written any novels. Mm-hmm. I, this, and this, obviously, I yeah. agree for sure. I, this is... Ben, white women from writing, obviously, except me. I'm the only good white woman left. Is, um, left? <laughs> like, they used to be good? I mean, clearly this is evidence that they used to be worse. Look, I, I, you know, I, I try to... Shine a light on the work of Afro Ben. Next week, don't well, we'll go back to what I normally do, which is uh, reviewing something written by a white Russian man 200 years ago. <laughs> Those also Thank suck. God. You know, Dave, I was really, I was so excited to talk to you about Brave New World at the beginning of this podcast, remembering how much I loved that opening chapter. Talked to you about how I'd read a book and yes. hadn't enjoyed it, how I'd picked up another book and I was excited to be enjoying it. I was excited to speak to someone else who famously could and did read. And now that's over. I will be burning. I will be burning every book in my house. Oh, no. I didn't want to ruin literature for it. I mean, the the point of the show is, I guess, so people don't have to read. So I guess if no one ever read again, that would be good for me. It'd be good for business. 
you could just tell them all the depressing stories that were in books, but via podcast. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> hey, remember books? Well, let me tell you about them. So did people like this book? Um, I guess, right? If you're talking about it now. Imagine if you you were reading like a flop book from 16. <laughs> I don't think it wasn't that, or whatever. It wasn't that big a deal. So Afroban, it's only in the last sort of 100 years or so that lit people have really um, gotten back into her. Ugh. And it's often said... Is it just because she was the first? Yeah, it's because, yeah, she was a, a bit of a trailblazer, I guess you would say, in terms of writing in English. Don't, but, um, I reckon. Don't do it. You know, the one writer that um, Hum and I have both read things by is Ursula K. Ah! Le Guin. Do you remember when we did the short film, we talked about the short story, The Lottery, I brought up the um, short story she wrote, the one... The ones, the ones who walk away from Omelas, is that? Mm-hmm. That's yeah. what it's called, right? Yeah, I do remember you bringing that up. Yeah. Anyway, come to find out, I get off recording that podcast with you. I read an interview that Hum did, and then and then it says, "What are you reading?" And then she says, "Ursula K. Le Guin." So two things to take from that: number one, Hum and I are soulmates. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. It's crazy. that's crazy. Number two, you should read more Ursula K. Yeah. Le Guin. Because okay. she's great. She is the opposite of Afra Ben. She's a self-hating white woman just like me. She makes all the white people in her books the villains. Um, pasty white, like, goblin creatures, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. is great. Um, and it's also sci-fi, so it's, it's, it's fucking... She's, she's really cool. Have you ever read any Ursula Le Guin, Dave? No, I have not. She's amazing. She actually, you know what, yeah, I'm... I, she's the one writer I will allow to continue to have books that are not burnt. <laughs> so, <laughs> so you would like me to do some of that? Okay, please. You okay, should do, do that. The, wi- if- the Wizard of Earthsea is amazing. Um, she's written a lot of short stories. She's written something called the the Hainish Cycle. There's lots of books in that that you can pick. There's lots of um slim volumes that are tour de forces, you know, if you will. Yeah, mm. yeah, yeah. I read like a third of one, so that was pretty impressive. For me. <laughs> <laughs> wow. There was one where maths. There's one short story where maths. Is oh yeah, illegal. that was so cool. Maths should be illegal. No, well that was definitely not the point of the story. Um, <laughs> you read this like dystopian thing, and you're like, yeah, right on. <laughs> Nailed it. Yeah, yeah, brand this guy. Yeah, fucking burn into his skin because he did a multiplication. Nerd. Hell yeah. Hey, there's only one thing left to do, and I'm kind of nervous to ask, but that is uh, I usually get mm. the guests to score the book out of five. <laughs> <laughs> and please, feel free to be honest. Burn it. Ugh. Burn uh, it. You're giving it a... But, okay, well, that's... So, so I zero? think that's a negative. It's not... You want wow, to go? Negative. I've, ne- I've never had a negative, and I'd love to give one. I, this is it. That's it. Negative. This book... Should no longer exist. It's depressing and it's racist. Yes. So that's a, a negative. Okay, we've gone below zero. Uh, negative what? Negative. We need a we need a magnitude. Here we go. Uh, we need to get scientists scientific on this. No, just a negative as a concept. That's maths, isn't it? That's some sort of high mathematics. A number. You need, you a, need number. a number. You could just say a negative in the in the broad conception of a negative. We're rating it out of five. So what, just go up to minus five? Dave is asking you for a number. Well, you could say minus five, sure. You could say minus infinity if you want, but oh, say something. Yeah, minus infinity, I guess. Minus infinity. Wow. I got it. That's almost certainly the lowest score I've ever had on the show. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't think... Well, look, I guess I haven't read the book, 
But the description of the book certainly did make it seem depressing and racist. (laughs) And I trust Mm -hmm. you, Dave, so Mm -hmm. I think probably the book itself is also depressing and racist. Yeah. Mm. I'm going to give it a minus 10 million. I'm not going to give it a minus infinity because I do respect um, the innovation of basically writing the first ever novel. It's not the first ever novel. It's the first ever English narrative fiction written by a woman or written at all? No, at all. It's up there. It's one of the first few. It's obviously a, a debated thing. People are like, well, what about this? Is this a novel? How about this? Is this a novel? Oh, don't but don't get is, into yeah. what's a novel. I do think that. <laughs> I do think that's cool because um, for a lot of people, you can only be what you can see. I do appreciate. Okay, the but this is like. I do not appreciate the actual book, and that is why I gave it. Hum, I gave it minus ten million. Okay, that's still <laughs> okay, pretty negative. But you can only okay? be what you can see. This is like when they hire women prison guards. No, it's a book. Okay, yeah, that's bad. <laughs> Yeah, but people can then write non-racist books in the future, and many have. I, I, there's not people being like a better prison guard now. <laughs> Just non-problematic prison guard queen. Um, there are good books out there, I've heard. Again, I don't know this, but I am still going to give it a minus 10. I don't know where I am on the artistic value of the novel or fiction generally, I guess. I do, every day I do long to only be not, not riding. I want to be painting a horse on a cave wall and then going out to kill a mammoth, you know? <laughs> That's it. That's the art that there should be. <laughs> I'm going to I'm gonna buck the trend here and not give a negative. Um, <laughs> but I'm still going to give it a very okay. low score. A very low score for me. I'm going to give it a two out of five. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess Dave respects women. Explain. Well, it's basically it's for one of the reasons you said, Naomi, which is that you've got to respect that it is one of the first novels, and that she broke that everyone's just writing prose and plays and all sorts of stuff up until this point, and also the fact that one of the first ever novels was like not just hey here's a story, but it was like hey here's a true story, and I was in it. Like I think that's quite innovative to put herself and you know that thing of pretending it's real when it's not. But I guess and I respect that at the time mm. though, like nobody would have ever even heard of the idea of just writing down something and lying in it. And saying that you weren't lying. She was the Belle Gibson of then. Like, nobody would have suspected. I suppose it- yeah, well, creating lying is still innovation. Okay, right? Ricky Gervais. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> the first to lie. You know, the invention of lying, that's a pretty interesting concept, I think some could say. Ugh. <laughs> Um, we have covered so many, so much ground in I this do. podcast. Um, and so much of it's so painful. <laughs> Dave, I want to ask a question about the book. Uh, you gave it a two. I just want to ask, was there any, any like, art in the prose that we may have missed having received only a summary that maybe, you know, gave it that point? Um, i got to tell you, I didn't, love, I didn't love the writing of it, to be honest. It's yeah. Like, That's a bummer. But, the, but the, the creativity is what I'm, re- I'm re- rewarding here, you know? thinking out the box and being yeah, like you know yeah. what i'm gonna make i'm gonna make up a new thing a novel which is like whoa that's pretty cool also let's not forget afro went and gave that man some cordial okay? <laughs> that was pretty cool i hope that it was raspberry flavored <laughs> this man who only knew endless suffering probably raspberry hopefully or david is to be believed <laughs> again like a self it's like a self insert in a fanfic like a harry's injured in the triwizard tournament and this like random character Standing in for myself, Afro Ben. Yeah, I went and gave him some cordial. Like, <laughs> it's like, and then he called me pretty. Yeah. <laughs> I had violet eyes. 
Yeah, trash. Sorry, trash. <laughs> well, that that does just about bring us to the end of the podcast. Thank you so much for coming with me on this journey through the work of Afro Ben. I apologize that it was not <laughs> the greatest. I feel like uh, how I've ruined your weekend. I apologize for that. <laughs> oh, haven't we had fun? But if, but if you'd like to check out something uh, that's maybe a little bit more solid gold, why not check out Why Are You Like This? Thank you, Joe. I will say for our TV show, no one has rated it minus infinity. Yeah. Hey, so, not even Andrew Bolt. Not even Andrew Bolt. He didn't. All he said was your taxes. So I think maybe he was pro. Yeah, your taxes. How good's this? Thanks for having us, Dave. Hey, thank you so much. And people can check that out now on ABC iView and also Netflix mm-hmm. sometime soon. Very mm. soon it'll be on Netflix everywhere, not Australia. You'll still get to watch it on iView in Australia, yep. um, but everywhere else except for China and North Korea because they don't have Netflix, oh, Dave. I see. Um, so, But everywhere else in the world. Netflix. It'll be there in your freaking language. Are you serious? Oh, my gosh. I can't wait to... Um, to see my 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 dubbed voice. <laughs> yeah, that'll be cool. Do you, do you think you'll look sexier when you're like speaking French or something? Maybe not French. <gasps> oh my gosh, I'm so excited! Right? Are they gonna? Yeah. Wait, do they do it for America? No, we just keep Australian accents for America. <laughs> but apparently, they do subtitle. If you go and watch like an Australian movie at a cinema in America, often they will subtitle. That's it. So oh, funny! Uh, wow. <laughs> yeah. What are we, Scottish? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Dave, thank you so much for having us. Hey, thank you so much. I really appreciate that. Love the show and uh, absolutely implore people to check it out. Uh, That's it for another week of Book Cheat. Uh, Until next week, I'll say thank you so much for listening. And uh, I always say this at the end of the episode and uh, I'm slightly embarrassed to say it in front of a new guest, but here we go. Books forever! Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.